Hello, True Seekers. In this uh, prospectus episode, was recorded live in Shinewood Store on the Night of Knowledge. So, look forward to this one. Here we go. Spirituality upon the fly. Perspectives. Hello guys and welcome to episode 23 of the Perspectives Podcast. This is live from Shine Waves down in Oakville. We have a live audience. We're going to ask live questions. And this is where we go down multiple rabbit holes. So stay tuned for what I think is going to be a really interesting podcast because we have a lot of different diverse, how would you say, mindsets in here. So the first question is going to come from our very own Simone. Hello Simone. Hi, good day. How are you? So what's your question? So my question is about building relationship with the moon. Yes. And all the different phases of the moon, what to do, how to do, and oh, what, what they to mean. expect. Okay, yeah. perfect. That's a great first question, actually. So we look at the moon in four phases, okay? I'm going to break down the four phases. So the four phases is your waxing, your new, your waning, and your full. So when we're looking at how it influences us, it's actually the ion charge that's coming off the moon at that time. We can take each of them phases and we can break them down again. We have what's called first crescent, first quarter, uh, uh, gibbous, so full gibbous, and then we have a half moon. Each of them put out a different ion charge. Waxing moons were traditionally done way back in the olden times as way of showing when to do manif- manifestational or ceremonial or ritual magic using candles. That's why it's called waxing, because you use candles within it. Uh, anytime we have a waxing moon, it's a manifestation. We're drawing energy into us because the ion charge is higher and we're easily attainable. Once we get to a new moon, a new moon is virtually for anything. You can do whatever you want in a new moon, essentially. A lot of people use that as a moon of reflection. So it's, let's test what we've went went through for the month and let's see where we're at within them intentions. After we get to that, we have the full moon. The full moon is for pure magic and ceremonial only. So we have different styles of magic and magic is spelt with a K, not with a C. I want to point that out as a random side note. Magic with a C by definition means illusion. Manag- or Magic with a K by definition means to manifest. So when you see that online, you'll know that's how you can really tell off the fluff online. I've got a magic spell and it's a C, so it's an illusion. I've got a magic spell with a K. That person generally knows what the hell they're talking about. So after we get the new moon, you can do whatever the hell you want. After the uh, new moon, then it goes into waning. That's when the ion charge reverses and starts to go back. That means that we take anything ceremonial or manifestational and we push things away from us. So that's banishing stuff or getting rid of stuff in your life. Now, one of the first questions I always get asked when it comes to uh, craft and manifest or manifestation of witchcraft is, well, what if I need money on a waning moon? Am I stuck? No. Because there's always ways on intentions to get around the moon phases. If you need money on a waning moon, you banish debt. By banishing debt, you attract money by, by definition. So there's always ways to manipulate it to what it is. Now, we've always associated the moon 
with uh, a feminine energy, goddess energy. All the ancients done it. But we have to understand that the moon was only planted there about 150,000 years ago. The moon has not always been on our surface. And there's actually uh, ancient uh, scripts and texts that say when it actually came into manifestation. So we associate it with a feminine because it's a negative ion charge. And that's not saying that women are negative. So don't get on my case about it. That's saying it's a negative ion charge. The sun is more recognized as being a positive ion charge because of the positive ions that come off it. So when we're talking about moons and moon phases, we have to understand we build relationships based on the ion charge that's there. Think of it like uh, going going into a sauna. Different variations, different temperatures. Our body has to get used to it, so we build connections based on the ion charge. The more in tune you are with the moon, especially as a female, your cycle actually works around the moon because negative ion charge determines your cycle. Most women are either new moon or full moon or the day before. It's called the waning aspect and the waxing aspect before, which is a random side note. I think that sort of covers that intensely. Who wants to ask the next question? Just jump up to the mic and work away. Look, everybody's everybody's getting nervous. Go on ahead, Jim. Go for it. So... Uh, this is Anthony, for the way, folks. This is <laughs> this is this is our Reiki teacher. So this is going to be really interesting. And it's a Reiki-related question. I thought so. So, as I'm progressing, mm-hmm. I get more and more communication. Mm-hmm. Which first it was I interpreted it as intuition, mm-hmm. um, but now I know it's something talking to me, yep. communicating in some way to tell me what a person needs that's on the table okay, and where to go. And I just want a little bit more clarity about where that's coming from. Okay. That's a good question, actually. It's actually a really good question, especially for a lot of people who are starting out in energy and a lot of people who work in energy full time. Like You use the key word, but you just use it as an umbrella term, which is intuition. Right. So intuition is your clairs. So clear essence, clear cognizance. Um, there's there's actually nine clear sentences. There's all these different clairs. So clear audience is the ability to hear through your intuition. So when you're being guided, you're actually hearing through your intuition. As you develop and you work energy more efficiently and actually more regularly, you're honing that aspect of what's called your soul matrix. Your soul matrix is where the information comes in. All right. Now, here's a random side note, and this, this is the way this is going to go. Loads of random side notes. Your soul matrix, or what we call our solar plexus. Solar plexus is one of the major tantric seven. So, for those that don't know what the seven chakra system is called, it's called the tantric seven. So, the solar plexus is the seat of your soul. The matrix, if you want to visualize it, is kind of like a wireframe donut that's around it. That wireframe donut is how we actually sense through our intuition. Hence why we say follow our gut. But if I turn around to a lot of people in this field and they'll say, well, where does your intuition come from? They say the third eye. But it's not. Your third eye is where the information is filtered through. But that's only after it's hit your matrix first. So when you're hearing, it's already hit four points of your body before you actually have heard it. Go on ahead. So what's, what's strange is I don't act, I don't ever hear it. Mm-hmm. I'm directed. Yes, well, that's that's hearing it. You can hear without hearing and see without seeing, and you can feel without feeling. That's the whole point of the clairs. Mm. 
So the clairs, the sentience and cognizance, cognizance is the biggest one. You know that time when you just know something's wrong? Well, that is where you've heard something in your energy field. But when we associate hearing, we automatically think audible hearing. But our soul doesn't work on our human senses. It's just a vibration, right? So when you hear it, you're hearing it on an energetic resonance level. You're not hearing it on an audible communicational level. But it is communicating with every part of your body instantaneously. It's how empathy works as well in empathetics. When we're sitting in a room and we can feel that person, you're talking to them on an energetic level. They're giving you information on an energetic level. And your reaction is one of the clairs being put into place. And that's what a lot of people don't understand, that everything, if we work in the mag, uh, magnification sort of variance, um, it's called the Magnus Maleficorium for the record. This is uh, a way that our body puts out an energy, it matches the energy, and anything that's imbalanced, you automatically get a pickup on. That's where we get forebodings. Do you know, does everybody know what forebodings is? For <coughs> you ever walk into a room and just know that you're not meant to be there? Forebodings. It's one of the oldest traits. So we have, it's a flight syndrome that's built into, it's a very, you know, I'm going to say rustic variation of our energy, a very primal variation where we just know something's not right. That forebodings is your intuition saying, there's too many energies that are lower or higher than mine and I don't fit in here. And that's how you learn. That's how you hear as a therapist. Because you're guided to do it based on where you are feeling it in your own body. Well, there's, as I said, there's been multiple forms of communication before you've even got to that stage of go, oh, of knowing, of cognizance. So the energy hits you in your solar plexus. It sends a signal up into your brain. Your brain then filters that and puts it out through a little gland on the top of your eye called the IPT, then Galapranatalisa. That sends a signal to through one of your biomimetics. That biomimetic hits an emotional line, which either gives you a physical response or an actual emotional response. In that thing, you have four points of connection with that one piece of information, and that's how our body works. On a quantum level, you can force that to change just by thinking about it. And not many people have the belief, that we, I think you, we had this conversation earlier, did we not? Where you had the ability to do everything in an instant just by thinking about it. We automatically think when it comes to energy, when it comes to uh, any variation of our intuition in these clairs, that it has to be some big Hollywood transformational moment. It's not. It's a thought. That thought's putting out a hell of a lot of energy. Off mic, we were talking about atomic bombs and stuff. It shows how random the conversation is in here. Anyway, but an atomic bomb is a colossal amount of suppressed energy. It's the force of an impounding pulsar sun. That's what they reckon. So that initial implode, that's the energy that comes out. Your brain puts that out at least 6,000 times a day. You have 6.3 billion cells in your head. Each of them are firing at 0.04 volts. So when you get a, an a, a intuitive piece of information, your brain is firing that out so high and so fast that it's literally the equivalent of a nuclear bomb going off. That's how our, our whole entire intuition works always external influence um there's uh, i'm going to be a bit controversial <laughs> fuck is, is this con this is my podcast everybody knows i'm controversial <laughs> all the people who say i'm an intuitive is lying to you because they aren't their soul is 
We are vessels for healing energy. We aren't healers. We are not intuitives. We have intuitive ability based on the capability of our souls and the level of our souls. There's another thing that we can sort of quickly dive into. There's three major levels of souls on this planet, but we just associate it under that one term. But what is the soul? Now look at everybody's face go, um, well, it's that thing that's connected up there, but it's not. Your soul is your consciousness, but it's the part that we can't access. It's called the subconscious. That's what your soul is. Your subconscious, your soul doesn't recognize any person in this body or in this room. It only recognizes yourself because you are its vessel, right? And in that moment, that resonant frequency, that information that comes off your soul and is rotated around your soul matrix, there's different classifications. Just think of it like different engine types. I'm putting that out for you, Athena, because you're you're car petrol head, so I thought that would work for you. <laughs> so there's different engine types. You have a C1 which is a very ancient, that's the old souls that we keep hearing about. So the C1 souls have a very, very high resonance ratio. You can literally test them with EMF fields. That's how old and strong they are. C2s are the ones that are going through transitional change. So they're not a baseline soul, but they're not an advanced soul either. They're transitional. We call it transmortification. So they're in that chrysalis, butterfly, blossoming stage, right? They're the, they're the, the they're the most common on the planet. Any trauma, any emotional influence will automatically get you into what's called chrysalis development or C2 soul ratio. Now, the most powerful ones are the C3s. They're the purest of the pure, kids. Kids are not tainted by reality. They're not tainted by consumerism, capitalism, judgment, race, color, creed. They're the most powerful souls on the planet. That's why they're the most vulnerable because a lot more entities, a lot more negativity is formed to do it because these kids put up pillars of light. Now, if you're lucky enough to have the ability to see auras on auric fields, generally in that, when we defocus our eyes, we see the first three layers only, but there's 12 layers. I think you should know this because this was in your class yesterday. So in the eighth to 10th layer, that's where all, uh, the... Young souls, the, the babies, the, the kids, actually stay in for until they're tainted by modern life or pre-programmed within the academic schooling system. Well, that's a completely different rabbit hole that I'll get into some other time. <laughs> well, right, no, let's get into that. Frick it, since we were rabbit hole podcast, let's go. Why the hell do we teach our kids stuff that is absolutely useless for life? Now, if we take the modern day schooling system and we put it back 300 years ago, yes, it applies. But you take the modern day teachings now, there is no way you're de not developing anything else but zero thinking, how would you say, sheeple. And that's what we're doing to our kids. So even if you have to put them into academics, which you do by law, stupid law, but you have to do it. They have to have some sort of schooling. Okay, <coughs> that's actually because of the crap that happened in uh, Texas about 20 years ago. Uh, so, yeah, I've researched that. That's crazy. Anyway, <laughs> homeschool created a whole thing about cults. Right? So that's where a lot of cults come through homeschooling, believe it or not, because it's a very specific ideology. It's non-biased. Uh, or it's biased. It's not non-biased. So when we, we take the modern-day academic, all we're doing is 
creating these sheeple who have been told that they're free thinking, and that's how our kids are corrupted. We have to teach them that there's more than that. We have to teach them the skills of life. How many people in this room were taught how to do taxes in school? For the record, because nobody can see that, there is no hands up. How many people in school was taught how to change a tire of a car? Nobody. How many people in this room were taught how to do government papers? How many people in this room were taught how to invest on finance in school? Is that not some of the most common things that we deal with on a day-to-day basis? But yet we don't teach it? (laughs) But that's the other thing. Because they're so worried about the scale of their marking and the the results rather than the individual, we are creating societies of sheeple. And that's the other side of it within spiritual side as well. If we are all piping from the same sheet and we're all giving the same information, we're creating spiritual sheeple. And that's something that I w- I'm trying to eradicate, hence why we're actually doing these Knights of Knowledge. The Knights of Knowledge are there to show you that it's just not as conformed as you think. Like spirituality here is kind of weird. I'm going to say that because it's all very rose-colored and unicorn poop and fairy dust. It is. That's what they preach. Sit in your heart center. I would give any person a million dollars right now if you can tell me what the heart center is. Oh, don't worry, I'll wait. There's a mic. <laughs> but yet every person's heard that term within the spiritual community, right? Sit in your heart resonance. Sit in your heart center. Where is your heart center? All these blank faces. And I've got one, two, three, four, five energy therapists in here. Nope, it's not. It's just off center to the heart. It's four degrees to, or four con, four finger widths to, to the right of the heart. Which would be heart minor. It's a micro chakra. And that you're not taught that. Go ahead. Don't get too complicated too quick. I'm warning you because I know the way your mind thinks. <laughs> well, then, as we all or not maybe all, but then the understanding of how you have energy sources around you. You've got your kundalini to the left and right, the antakrana up the center. Now, see what you just said there? That there is the biggest misunderstanding when it comes to westernized philosophy. Because what you we you and I know as kundalini, people are actually calling the antakrana the kundalini the rising snakes. And this is where we have to understand. I We used a term there and everybody's face went, what the hell is that? That is the true root. No. The Antikorana is what you would classify as the Kundalini through training. Right? Because it's the two rising opposites that snake up through. But the Antikorana is the very vessel that it uses to get up there. The very energy source that it uses. And then as you, I, I assume you were going to say the heart resonances would actually activate that. So if you don't have that act, you don't know where to switch on the switch, how you meant to get the energy to do what you need to do. And what is energy? There's another basic question. <laughs> we'll get back into that in a minute. Trust me, because I know uh, there's a little question I'm going to put to you and we're going to have a debate on it. Because okay. I, I love it when me and you talk about this. Come on ahead. 
Finish it. Finish what you were saying. Well, I interrupted. My thought would be then, as you have your active, passive side. Mm-hmm. Your passive side would be your conscious energy that flows down, mm-hmm. which some people would call your soul. Yep. That would connect to your what I would call atomic heart. Yeah. Which is technically a black hole. Yeah. That draws in the Earth's matrix energy grid from below and around you like two tornadoes but the vortex comes to your heart so when you don't overcomplicate it i want to simplify this yeah so So the atomic heart your atomic heart it'd be like when you pull a plug in a bathtub watching the water drain and swirl around it gathers the energy above and below draws it in to your black hole and disperses that through your aura Mm -hmm. now the black hole is sort of like the pin of dominoes of molecule construction in my mind you're getting way too complicated okay way i get it what you're saying because we have these conversations all the time so So if we want to analogize this and simplify this from your perspective because this is the perspectives so take that and make it as simple as this is a lego and this is a block okay then maybe the, the the thing would be then that black hole. Give me another term for that. Because people automatically the, the, think the celestial. The connection of your atomic energy that we would call it, or your life source consciousness, where is all that drawn in and connect to? Mm-hmm. Or is it the yin-yang that it's coming back out in another way? Transmortification energy. Yes. Okay. That's my point. Right. So, <laughs> but I say, I get what you're saying, but them terms are very, very quantumized. So let's just break it down a little. So basically, every chakra that we have of the major tantric system has two chak- or two vortexes that comes off it. So one spins clockwise, one spins anticlockwise. And this is called the 12-chakra vortexual system. So one's drawing in the energy. You call it into the black hole. We're going to say that. We're going to use the analogy of manifestation. We draw in the manifestation into our body. The body accepts that manifestation and then releases the negative through your aura that can also work for the other we can pull in the negative and we can expel it more positively it's called transmortification of energy but where it actually hits is a little micro chakra it's about the size of your thumbnail right and it's just as you say off for con con means finger width i want to point that that's an acupuncture term so four con off so basically in behind your sternum so it's directly connected to your spinal cord and that is where you manifest into you don't manifest into where you think you do you manifest straight into what todd greatly called it the atomical heart so it's a very complicated little system but then you have to understand that that's externally influenced internally influenced, traumatically influenced, and then it's divinely guided. So my question <coughs> of the divinely guided is mm-hmm. the synchronization of the rotational speeds of the forces synchronizing. If they are out of sync, would that change like the life expectancy of a being is one is out of sync versus to the other fighting like the rotational speed of the planet increasing. Okay. Yeah. If you get your that point. gets out of sync, is that a potential to the well, aging and time and being of a physical form? 
well the facts are not there the as the energy is taken in from external source through the the 12 auric field that's what we classify as manifestational um, b the other side of that that is trauma trauma slows down that system stress slows down that system one of the key stages and appearances physically of stress is the graying and the dying of hair why because the information has been overworked to such a degree that it's taken the very life force out of us random side note i think we had this conversation yesterday your hair is a part of your intuition field there's a random side note Potentially a, a way of stabilizing and healing the body would be the Merkaba meditation. But the Merkaba meditation only applies if there's Bringing certain chakras Bringing that over. focus in mm-hmm. the mind to equalize the rotational speed in your mind clockwise, but counterclockwise. You, uh, to you have to remember that with, with yourself, you're so far advanced when it comes to spiritual energy that even that term that you used, a lot of people have never heard of. So... When we're doing these, we have to make sure that we have to understand that we have listeners that are right at the start of the journey and we have listeners that's very advanced. So when I'm saying about uh, bringing in, we have to simplify it even though it can go a shit ton deeper. And you and I know it can go deeper. So what is the Merkaba meditation? You're connecting to 75,314 points at the same time. Each of them are putting out a frequency ratio between 6 hertz and 6,000 hertz. As they intertwine in the middle, they hit what's called the nominal 3. The nominal 3 is the purest form of resonant frequency, otherwise known as rife frequency, 528.53 hertz. That hits your atomic heart and your physical heart at the same time, and that's how we can spread it around the system. But that only works if you're an advanced alpha or sub-theta wave of meditation. Yeah, so that would then correspond to where you reach out to universal consciousness connection mm-hmm. where you could separate the conscious side, the passive side of your body from mm-hmm. equal speed mm-hmm. to 34-21 ratio and then go to 9 tenths so that you still keep the yeah. active and passive side connected. I get but that, however, but however, again, you're talking about terms that people have never heard of. This is like a, a interesting area for people to maybe Absolutely. look into the meditation of where you can heal. But what is meditation? meditation? That's a good point. We're meditating right now. Exactly. Meditation is when you, your mind is free. That's right. So as long as you're free and thinking about it, you can activate it. The other, side, um, the other side, you have to understand that if to get to that level of understanding, and with your personal journey, if, you, uh, if I may, um, I know how much you've had to go through traumatically and to reverse and to understand and to accept in order to get to that stage of understanding in your own energy. A lot of people aren't at that stage, my friend. I would love them to be able to, I would love to get an entire room to sit down and just start a Mercury meditation, but half of them would crumble emotionally because you ha- that's the thing that you work up to. It's accessible by every person on the planet, but you have to work up to that level. When I first met you, Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and that was the beauty of meeting up with Stevie was that you all have different paths and exchanging knowledge and information gets you on a path and he pushes you with your free will and hope and guidance to a path to find an area of interest and study that mm-hmm. you may want. There's so much to learn, Enough. but you pick yeah. a particular area. You pick what? And that's what I always find amazing with Stevie is that his 
spectrum of knowledge of everything to leave you a book of paths. Yeah. And, and this is a particular path that I took that's also in the alchemy and that that gets into a whole bunch of other areas. <laughs> but, um, but it's again, it's it's understanding what your soul really is pining for, consciousness is pining for, what you what your essence or your body is pining for, and then just study the crap out of it. Don't be afraid to read. But take a lot of it with a pinch of salt too. Because let me, uh, when you were talking about, you know, the Merkaba meditation, one thing about the Merkaba meditation, it takes the soul construct and the human construct out of the equation. So when you're at that depth of understanding and that quantum understanding of your energy, it means that your everyday traumas, emotional stresses, your everyday experiences is irrelevant because it draws all that energy in, fractalizes it, consumes it, transmortifies it, and releases it. And connects to, technically, when you do the meditation, you're connecting to everything living, to non-living. And past, present, and future all past, at the same time. And it's fascinating. So, technically, I'm you looking at Athena here. I'm looking at Athena here just going, and this is fascinating. And, and, and that, you know, then it opens up the understanding of religion, spirituality, all the different paths of what is existence and, and the gifts that we have where time does it stand still, where did energy come from? I call the living one, that we're all connected to the source of the living one, that everything is of one living force that we tap into. So the path is to learn to connect into greater layers of that living body being that we are all present here to be with mm -hmm. and that's a big understanding of my journey yeah but your journeys work like that you have to start with intrigue first if you're not interested you're never going to grow there has to be something to spark that intrigue but know that everything you read there's six thousand layers deeper than it and even when we talk about meditation there's thousands of sorts of meditation there's thousands of thoughts th uh, breath cycles there's thousands of things we take into consideration but the baseline it is you have to have an interest in it um i've noticed Especially in, I'm going to say the North American spiritual community. I'm going to use that. I'm going to termify it. And I don't really want to, but I have to, because we have to know where where we're talking about here. We we find that things we give up too quickly within spiritual and how would you say consciousness expansion. We give up too quick because it's too commercialized. So people lose faith in it. The more commercialized it is, the less people actually believe in it. And that's what we're we finding that. Like, you're using terms there that I've known 20 years. But I guarantee what you said there, I, I would say a good estimate would be 70 to 80% of the listeners will not know that. And it's something very simple, but yet so far advanced that people think it's outside their grasp when it's not. Well, it's actually built into the system. And, and, and the gift that I learned with my teachings from Stevie was the understanding of something that you all might want to look into is the Emerald Scrolls of Thoth. Yep. Or is it Thoth or Toth? Thoth. <laughs> Toth. And, and, and with his teaching and knowledge mm -hmm. in that, that when you read the passages, that you learn what he was on his journey of connecting to the energies, his meditation. Yeah, but there's a lot more to Thoth that the westernized world doesn't know. And how genius he was. I call him the body snatcher. <laughs> because he could consciousness into another being so uh, and how they would live long lives and I find that that really fascinating of about 
when you learn particular areas that you learn to read ancient scrolls and understand like the common thing like archangels they have wings they actually don't have, have don't have wings they have ships so when you read biblical things and that that you learn when there's mm -hmm. a lot of good information in bibles and prophecies and that that try to tip you to get a broader understanding about what they really are and then that i was enlightened with stevie mm. about some of the beings that do have it like which one was that again sephiroth of wings so if you actually look at the biblical teachings behind it so again everything's up to interpretation the bible is a fantastic literary work for the record uh, even in its current modern day state uh, considering there's 613 books removed for it and it's been translated 172 times into 64 different languages and we have what 11 different versions of it right now it's it's kind of weird but the other side of it is there is lots of understanding and learning in the biblical text but you have to take it as it's described and not interpret it so if we look at um a few of the examples i think it's ezekiel ezekiel 137 um, don't quote me on that but i think it's ezekiel ezekiel actually gives us the definitions of what each of the angels actually look like they're not we, we associate the angels as a humanoid figure, which has got these beautiful big glowing wings and all that. That's actually the Renaissance version. That's a painted res, res, a Renaissance version. Um, it doesn't descript, describe that in the Bible. However, that's how people assume it. And energies and entities of that ability and that uh, gravity will appear to you in which you are comfortable or you can understand. I want to make that clear. Spirituality, energetic, entities, beings will always appear in a way that's safe for you because fear pushes them away. And if you want to make that connection, if you want to make that connection, you have to understand that these entities don't won't come near you through fear. They have to know that they're safe because they're, they know how powerful we are as individuals just because we don't. Now, the other side of that, you mentioned Thoth. So Thoth had two books. We only hear about one. We only hear about the Emerald Tablets of Thoth. Thoth was an Atlantean priest. Let's make that clear. That's documented. He then fled the, uh, before Atlantis sank, went to Egypt, or reinstated the information that we classify as the modern Egyptian gods now. So the only gods throughout, or the only entities throughout time that had wings was the ancient Sumerians, Antian and Real. Um, it was actually Enril that was depicted as having wings, but wings didn't mean wings back then. Wings did mean ship. It meant vessel, but we're associating it based on flight. That's how they can understand it, because birds have wings, birds fly, these beings fly, so they have wings too. It was a depictive. The other side that we have to understand is, getting back to Thoth, Thoth had the Emerald Tablets of Thoth. That is the most um, common version of his literary works that we are aware, that most people are aware of, but he had a, uh, a I'm going to use the term legend, you know when you look at a map and in the bottom left hand corner you have your legend of what everything is? Well there's a legend for the Emerald Tablets of Thoth and that's called the Light Tablets of Thoth. And the Light Tablets of Thoth actually are pure Atlantean. And we know that because they're actually written in a different language. They're actually written in an ancient language that is still being deciphered. But those in the know know that it's Atlantean and if it's Atlantean it's actually uh, what's called a Galaxian alphabet it's a very rare alphabet very ancient alphabet um w we've multiple different alphabets in play and that's where a lot of people use symbology think of hieroglyphs hieroglyphs is actually six different alphabets used at the same time 
I just watched your face just drop and go, right? Well, if you look at the hieroglyphs, you, hieroglyphs is a pictogram that comes off cuneiform. Cuneiform comes off Ulham. Ulham comes off Atlantean. Atlantean comes off Galaxian. Galaxian comes off Asasoniac. So we have all these layers of information that have been modernized to the modern day. So if you look at an, our time frame alone, right? So say in the last 150 to 200 years, how many languages was in play? All right, hundreds. What were the main ones? The ones that are closest were linked to Latin because Latin came from Sumerian. And that's actually alphabetically and grammatically correct. Portuguese. 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 Which is a spin of... It's a spin of pre-tac Latin. Yeah. So, port what were we going to ask? No. You didn't like that, John? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, Portuguese was the number one link. So, um, English is the bas the biggest bastardized language out of all. Like, if, if think about it right now. If you believe in the extraterrestrial theory and you're an ET and you're coming here and going, okay, well, let's talk to your leader. Where, 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 where? I don't understand because we're using the same word for different things. But Latin wasn't like that. Latin was a very beautiful language. And a lot of the what we call the Romantic languages are usually you'll find Italian works from the Romantic Latin. Um, you have uh, variations of French. Um, believe it or not, German is classified as a Romantic level. It is. It actually is. It's one of the Romantics. Exactly. Swahili which is uh, mid-African, it is a love language. So we have the love language, we have that connection of it, instilling love through resonant frequency through our, vo uh, our, our vocal cords. So it's not about how the word is delivered, it's what frequency it omits when it leaves our mouth. That's what makes a language romantic. Romance means melodic, means it's melody, it plays on your emotions. So when you are using and giving voice to any specific language, you are using the resonant frequency of your vocal cord to create a sound. That sound we have been trained from very, very young to patternize as being language. It's not, it's just sound. Just one quick one. Quick one to cap of that about how prophecies and how Bibles as much as there's controversy over whatever the subject areas are, but a lot of the forecasting of things to come is the brilliance of the monks or the priests that uh, they obtain time, the timeline, it's being fluid, that do they do it through what like we're calling a general term meditation, able to um, find that connection of timeline, that they're that gifted, or did they also have where a lot of people see in sci-fi and that that uh, and is known as time travel equipment where a body can be physically removed and transplanted or is it the consciousness that gets transplanted? Great question. I'm going to answer prophecies. that and I'm going to answer that with a really good analogy. All right. Because time travel keeps popping up to a lot of people. We expect time travel to be in this electronic device that's going to transport us back and forward, right? I'm going to give, do this as a little test really quickly. Everybody close their eyes, right? And I'm going to ask you to think about something from your childhood, 
right? So think of something that pops up. It could be good, could be bad, could be whatever. Don't care. Think of something from your childhood. Picture that place. How do you feel? Can you feel? Is it warm? Is it cold? What's the temperature like? What's the smells like? Right? So now open your eyes. Did everybody feel that? Did everybody sense that? You just time traveled. Time travel is something that's held in our energy. It's past, present, and future at the same time. So when we talk about vesselization and devices for time travel, one of the things that we don't realize is our body is the actual vessel. If we look at uh, some of the more ancient prophets, we're going to use that term, they defined time travel as being in your mind's eye. Raksa, it was called, in the mind's eye. So as long as you can think it and you can visualize it, you can do it. If you can't visualize, really random side note, because I actually had this uh, email yesterday. I can't, I can't focus on my visualization. Can you write it down? Can you document it? Can you build a picture with your words? Well, if you can build a picture with your words, you can set the tone in your own mindset. So time travel, depending on your ideology, because that's multiple ideology, it's mechanical, it's AI ideology, it's uh, non-Terran ideology, and it's also um, quantum physics, quantum entanglement ideology, depending on your ideology, you are the vessel that can actually get you there. It's a random one, but that's the simplest thing. Memories need markers. Markers are emotions. Energy doesn't give a shit about emotion. It's yes, no, on, off, light, dark, doesn't care. Right? When we add an uh, uh, emotion to that, that creates a marker. So every person that closed their eyes in here and every person that sat in that emotional moment was because there was a marker there and it, it was one of your senses. It was either a sight, sound, smell, touch. Right? Generally, those are the, the four major markers that make us remember things. Because otherwise, your brain will just let it go as being fluff, doesn't care. There's a rabbit hole and a half there, Todd. Any other questions? Who's next? Oh, come on. Let's, let's see. Let's, uh, let's go. So, uh, come along, Alice. Here's the pill. <laughs> Which one? Do you uh, want red, blue, or green? As recalling um, memories, memory trauma is often something that people carry with them that needs to be healed. Yes. And as I'm teaching and learning better how to teach mm -hmm. people to go into their past, heal it, mm -hmm. Um, it makes me realize that we have every access to everything in our past with us mm -hmm. and it resonates towards us. Yes. And here's the other side of that. You have 15 generations yeah. on top of that. Well, I did that. That's, I discovered that last time I taught level two. Yeah. So 50, uh, at any given time, you have 15 generations of influence on your DNA. So if your parents... If, you are, if, if it doesn't feel like it's yours, and it doesn't feel like it's your parents, it doesn't feel like your grandparents. Remember, you have your great-grandparents, great-great-great-great-great-great. We can go back 15 generations here. And all of that's hidden in your DNA because you're a result of your ancestors. That's where we have this, uh, especially in the older practices, I'm going to say, not the more modern practices. We have this uh, uh, belief system about attaching to our ancestral lines. Now, I'm not talking about where the frick your DNA comes from, all right? I don't care about that. I, that's a conspiracy theory in my head. I don't want to give it too much power, but that's how they get the, your blood in the, on the database. That's all I'm saying about that. The other side of it, when we take in our, the 
the uh, I'm going to use the word trauma and the emotional trauma that we carry with us. Our trauma starts from the moment we come out of our mother's womb. Why? Because we've been from a place of security in a place where holds memories, the water, the umbilical fluid, to a place of raw, instantly. In that moment, your trauma starts. In that moment. And a lot of people think, well, I have, I need some situation for me to feel this. I need some situation or some, some event in order to create a trauma. But trauma, by definition, means something that is not normal to what you're used to. It's abnormal practice. If you're used to being in a very loving, caring uh, environment, and all of a sudden it gets abusive, that's abnormal. If you're used to being in an abusive environment and you turn into something normal, loving, caring, that's also trauma. It may be a positive thing, but it's still a positive trauma because the one thing about our mind, our energy, and our bodies is that we tend to sit in comfort with what we know. You ever heard the expression, better the devil you know than the devil you don't? That's why people get stuck in their emotional transitions. And, the, bad, and bad relationship. Because it's better to be than that, because I know that. At least I know how to cope with that. At least I know how I can warrant that style of vibration, that style of energy, that style of emotion. Well, that's where we have the very acute version of that called Stockholm Syndrome. We've energetic Stockholm Syndrome. Are you aware of that, Anthony? As a teacher? I would have to say no. Energetic Stockholm Syndrome means if you automatically think that you're doing something wrong, the energy therapy doesn't work. So that's called energetic Stockholm Syndrome. Because we are though so worried about the outcome of the process that we actually forget we're doing the process at the same time. And that's intuit get questioning your intuition. Question the energy that's there. So then that would link, link to what we know of as the placebo effect. Internal, yes. Because placebo can be from an environment or internally. But a lot of us create safety within our own energy for no reason. The whole point here, right, I'm, I'm going to say something again controversial. i got to love it when I go controversial. You're here to suffer. So suck it up, buttercups. Suck it the hell up. You came onto this planet, you picked the planet... You picked the people who was going to be around you. You picked your parents. You picked your family because they were the best people to teach you the most lessons to expand your consciousness, increase your soul understanding so that when you go back to source, when you go back to the divine consciousness, that you have upgraded every other soul and what I call the soul basket. So some people call it the universal consciousness. Some people call it the Christ consciousness. Some people call it the universe. Some people call it God. All labels. Right? Every one of them is a label. There's not one thing I said there that isn't a label, including the term God. Okay? want to point that out. So when we get to that stage of us being returned, all your trauma that you suffered and you overcame in this life, every other soul in existence now learns from your trauma. It's a beautiful thing when you think about it. It means it's not all for nothing. And a lot of people go, I'm, I'm constantly in trauma. I constantly feel trauma. You're fucking meant to. If it was all easy, it's not life. You're not living, you're existing. You're not meant to sit there and go, oh, this is so beautiful. No, it's not. You're sitting in comfort. Or you're sitting with what we call rose-colored glasses and you don't want to move forward. If somebody comes to me 
And this is as a therapist. Somebody comes to me and says, I'm really happy with my life. I went, you're not ready for me. Get out. When you're at the pits of despair, when you think everything's going wrong, when you think your life is falling apart, when you think there's no light at the end of the trouble, that's when the universe puts a therapist in your face and say, hey, I'll take your hand, let's go. And until you get that low, you're never going to change. Because we sit in the comfort of it. It's comfortable to be traumatized. It's comfortable to be loving. We get into habits. And these are what we call cadonic emotional response syndromes. Cadonic meaning built into your DNA. So if your parents are trauma and their parents are trauma and their parents is trauma, you're already starting life in trauma. That's all your DNA knows. Because your parents lived it, your grandparents and great-grandparents. So you have to clear all that before you even freaking start to develop your own. And people work on themselves and don't realize. And this is another beautiful thing about working on yourselves as individual energy bodies, as individual souls. When you heal you and you heal your pattern, you heal every similarity of that pattern right from the start of time to the end of time. Because quantum entanglement says if we work on something here, it changes its pattern over there. Well, if you're working on you and your parents, they feel it. Their parents, living or dead, feel it. Their parents, living or dead, feel it. Because you've done the work to break the cycle. And that's where we have what's called ancestral curses, ancestral trauma. And all these different variations of trauma teach us one thing, that you have control to change everything there and in an instant. We had a conversation earlier. I'm going to call you out on it just a little, all right? Because it was really, it's really profound to this. You used a term. I'm a healer, mm-hmm. okay? And I called you out on that. Because you're not a healer. Nobody is. We're vessels for healing energy. We set the environment for healing. We set the tone for healing. We give the nice words. We give that pat in the back. We give the kick in the ass, if you're me, to get you into that variation of knowing that I can heal myself. And as I heal myself, I heal the people around me. I also heal my DNA. That's profound when you think about it. How many people do you know? I guarantee you, you forgot the amount of people you know. Think of the amount of people that you've, you've been within 37 feet of. 37 feet, right? Let's work that out. 37 feet, just shy of an average bus, right? So every time you've walked through a mall, you've touched seven or eight, nine, 10, 20 people, depending on how busy it is. Christmas time, maybe 300. However, but as you're walking through there and you're doing your work, you're forcing their DNA and their energy to change. Because if not, they'll run away from you. Forebodings, remember, we're back to forebodings. Because your resonant frequency is higher than theirs. So as you work on yourself, you heal every person around you. Plus you heal every person in your DNA align. So that's you and your children you can alter. Because a lot of people, I'm a parent myself, all right? We automatically think, I'm messing up my kids. I'm messing up. I'm not there. I'm not doing what I'm meant to. Heal yourself. It heals them anyway. And nine times out of ten, they're healing you and you don't even realize it. Because they don't give a shit. They're not tainted. A lot of them aren't tainted. You know? 
Then you get the teenage stage, and they're just like, eh, I don't care. And I'm like, yeah, because you've done all the work up to now. Now it's your time, son. Have at her. You know what I mean? So don't be, don't don't take the power away. You're you're setting an environment. That's why I I, I want to make that term, and that's why I usually call fluffing people. Um, I think most of the people in here I've changed their titles from healer to therapist because you're therapizing. You're just doing it from an alternative angle. You're still doing the work, but don't put the onus on you as an individual because what you're telling your brain to is use my personal energy source, my personal battery to fix that person. You burn out, you take on their crap, let's call on intentional manifestation through cognitive thought flow, instantaneously you start to drop down. We have an infinite battery in the universe, but if we don't know how to connect to it, that means our battery runs out. We're meant to recharge it with proper sleep patterns. Nobody's got a proper sleep pattern. We're too freaking stressed for it. And if you see all these things on, you know, uh, Instagram and you see it on TikTok and you see it on YouTube, you're like, you know, we've got to hustle. You've got to be up 4 a.m. before every person else. You've got to go to the gym. You've got to do this. You've got to do this. You've got to be ahead of the game. The stock market opens at 5. You've got to be up at 4. I'm like, chill the fuck out. All you have to do is set the intention because your intention is what's going to drive you there. But don't get angry and upset with yourself if you don't get it at all at once. Because remember, universe gives you stuff that you need when you need it, not when you want it. I want a million bucks. Everybody on the planet wants a million bucks. But what are you doing to get it? Are you setting the invitation? Are you doing the physical work? Are you doing what you need to do to get that? There's no point putting it out to the universe for something as vast, which is totally obtainable for that record. That's where you always get that one person that you know is a real lucky crap and just win a whole pile of money out of nowhere and you think you're an asshole and you still don't know, don't know why because they detached from the outcome they didn't unintentionally talk themselves out of it i've talked about it in multiple different podcasts the red car syndrome yeah and, uh, is everybody aware of this no yeah. right well, proves one thing listen to my damn podcast anyway <laughs> so the red car syndrome this is a, a teaching aid that uh, I use as when I'm doing my therapies to show people how they unintentionally are manifesting wrong. So red car therapy, or red car, you're going into a car dealership and you want a red car, right? First through the door, you see a red car, but it's got rims. You didn't ask for them rims. You asked for a red car. That subtle change totally changes your manifestation because the universe goes, well, you wanted a red car, but this one's got rims, and now you're more focused on the rims than the car. What do I want here? So it starts to stall. Then you go around the dealership a wee bit more. You find a red car with rims and has a stereo. There's two changes to the original manifestation. Slight, but still enough for the universe to go, this person doesn't know what the fuck they want. I just need to hold back, hold back, hold back. Then you go right back to the back and you get the creme de la creme, you get the convertible, you get the body kit, you get the, oh, the, the creme de la creme. That's what you actually wanted in your head from where go, but you voiced and you put out that you just wanted a red car. The universe works on specifics. If you're manifesting, give yourself a timeline, be definitive, be specific, but detach from the outcome. Once you emotionally think about it, well, why is this money not coming in? What did you just tell your brain? It's not coming in. 
unintentional manifestation through cognitive thought flow. Red car syndrome is the perfect example of that. It's subtle changes, but without the specifics, you're not giving your energy, your manifestation, a direct instruction. So the universe goes, this person doesn't know what the hell they want. Let's just wait until they do. And then we curse the universe. We go, I said, God doesn't love me. The universe doesn't love me. I didn't get what I wanted. Did you ask for it specifically? Yes, I asked for a million bucks. Okay, well, what the f do you need a million bucks for? Well, I got a check for a hundred. Did you need that hundred? Yeah, so the universe gave you what you need. Not what you want. And that's the way we work. If there's an old European state, and there's a lot of European sort of mindsets in here, if it's meant for you, it won't pass you. So if the universe deems that you're worthy of it, you'll get it. If not, keep working harder. Raise your vibration and detach from the outcome. It's very, very simple. Yep. Exactly. That's where the road, that song is actually based on manifestation. Because yep. he was going through a spiritual transition at the time. Next question. Come on. Go for it. Get up to the mic. Whoever's doing it, get up to the mic. I have a question about, I know it's kind of stupid, but. No such thing. The whole twin flame. Thing. Oh, yes. Thank God you saw me. Sit down. <laughs> oh, this is going to be epic. <laughs> Watch me destroy everybody's heartbeats in two seconds. No such thing. Right? So if you look at uh, where that ideology come from, that come from the Vedas, which is a Hindu tradition. The Vedas says, and says very uh, clearly, that the twin flame is the rising flame of your connection to your consciousness and subconscious. You are your own twin flame. Now, in westernized variation, we'll think, oh, it's, it's the perfect person. It's that person that drives me crazy, but I love it at the same time. No, that's a karmic soulmate. That's the one that you brought in to teach you a lesson to get you where you need to go, good or bad. Then you have companion soulmates. Those are the ones that are with you for longer periods of time, but still have a massive lesson for you to teach them or you get taught by them. Then you have life companions. Life companions is the actual term for what the Westernized call a soulmate. That is the person who you love to death, but would love to beat to death in the same sentence. Okay, that is the person that is going to be your rock. And generally, they will be the carbon opposite of you where you're strong, they're weak. Everybody talks about twin flames. And nobody understands that if you actually read it, you are your own twin flame. So if you want to love and be loved on a level of cosmic, I would say, significance, love yourself first. And then you become your own twin flame. Then you burn with a light that will attract a resonance where you will find that life partner. Because until that, you're just this little spark. Mm -hmm. So that is the I am connection. I am one with me and all aspects of. Mm -hmm. I am that I am. And I know I'm wise for I know I know nothing. Full statement there. May as well give it all in completion. But you are your own twin flame. Mm -hmm. So stop looking for it externally. Because when you reach that level of resonant frequency, when you're absolutely. I'm trying to remember how it was worded by a, a Hollywood <coughs> person that I worked on. Um, you want to get to the stage in life where you can say, fuck it. Don't want to go into the day. 
fuck it. Don't want to go to work next week? Fuck it. You want to get to that level of fuck it? That you don't care. And in that time, you're probably at the most successful time of your uh, life. Why? Because you're not stressing about it. You have faith in the process. You have faith in moving forward. And this uh, the individual, he's a very funny man, but he uh, that was his life philosophy. Fuck it. No matter what it was, fuck it. I'm going. You're going to lose thirty million dollars if you don't take this movie. Fuck it. That was his entire attitude. He's highly successful in his life. Guy can manifest like I've never ever seen. It's like, I'm going to put it out and I'm going to get it. And he puts it out. And he'd done it as a test one day. I'm going to put it out. What are you going to put out? I need five auditions. Well, all right, let's see that there. That's funny. <laughs> chuckle, chuckle. We literally stopped talking and his agent was on the phone. I've got three here and another two for next week. Do you want to go in for them? <laughs> And that's a level of fuck it that you have to be comfortable with. <laughs> but that is the potential of your mind and the potential of your manifestation. So when you find that twin flame, that burning passion that is you and the true version of you, not the persona that people think are you, that's when you have your own self. That's when you are literally lighting as a twin flame because your inside light reflects your outside light. Or as I call it, the fuck it level. It's fascinating when you think about it. But do you think, I guarantee you, you've heard it a thousand times, that person's your twin flame. Five years ago, every person and their dog was my twin flame, according to some people. Oh, ask my wife. My, my wife will tell you. Oh, this girl says you're, you're twin flame. I mean, yeah, so's her puppy. Everybody thinks it. Because people love the idea of it. And a lot of people, and that brings me to a slight rabbit hole a lot of people are in love with the idea of being in love but don't know what love actually is so they love the persona of it the ideals of it you know that partner that that rock at the side if that partner is being loving and caring all the time they're not pushing you they are not helping you through life so if you're sitting in a relationship right now and you're 100 percent comfortable you are 100 percent stagnant because your partner and your life companion is meant to be the one that keeps pushing you forward. I'd be lost without my wife. I would. She kicks my ass regularly and I love it. I don't tell her all of it. I do now, apparently. But anyway, I love it. Oh, she does. She listens to all my podcasts. But I love it because, do you want to know why? Because it keeps me on my toes and that keeps me growing. I never have the time to be complacent. And every time I think I've finished a project, she throws another one. Let's do this together. Let's do that. And that's what you call, what in the westernized term, a twin flame, what I call my life companion. Right? And we have to understand that a lot of these terminologies are misinterpreted from ancient texts. So take these terminologies and research them. Research the origins of them. Not the westernized origins, the true origins of it. And then you'll understand what it really, really means. And I think that's a big thing when it comes to understanding these uh, modalities, for the want of a better term, and these ideologies, is the fact that we don't take the time to research them in their fullest. So I was always taught by my mentor, uh, a great mentor, that research everything for a year and a day. A year and a day is a constructional part of your brain. So your brain will know if it's still active and still thirsty after a year and a day, you're meant to be researching it. If you're not, 
you fall apart. Oh, here he was stepping up. The little one rises. So this brings it, that brings me to this question. Where is the best place to research? Okay, that's a very good question. There is multiple places. But when I, well, let's just say, if you're researching for a thesis, for a university thesis, you're never going to take one point of reference. You take multiple points of reference. The more reference material you have, the more parts of that will resonate with you. And you take all that information and you take what resonates out of it. There is numerous people on YouTube. There's new, you, you know, numerous websites. But at the end of the day, your intuition is your best guide. If it does not resonate with you, it's probably fluff. If it's delivered in a loving, caring, fluffy manner, it's fluff. Because what they want to they want to give you a false sense of security. So then they're able to capitalize on that frailty of that moment. I find that a lot of um, spiritual communities work on the broken people. They want you broken because that means they make money. And that's why there's a new modality and a new technique every freaking week. <laughs> they come out. We want to understand in that moment that our gut, our intuition, our matrix, our consciousness, whatever you want to call it, is our biggest guide. Do plenty of research. Don't be afraid to research, fluff or otherwise, because your soul, your intuition, your consciousness will say to you, this resonates, I need to investigate this bit further. It's kind of like the best analogy you can give it. If you look at your life as being a song, there's only certain sections of that song that you like and really like. It could be a drop. It could be that little melody at the start of, a, of the second verse or it could be the end of the chorus. There's little bits of it. But you say, I love the whole song because of that little bit. right? That's the bit that you've connected to. That's the same with reference information. There is massive amount of things depending on what your ideology is. There's thousands of ideologies out there. There's thousands of lineage, there's thousands of theories. You know, even look at the existence right now. You, you know, you have the spiritual theory, you have the chakra theory, you have the soul resonance theory. Then you have the matrix theory, the non-terra and the ET theory. There's all these conspiracy theory, crypto theory. I could, I could go on for a while here, right? You have all these different theories, but you pick the ones that resonate with you and you research it too. You can research it no more. If you get into that, as I say, a year and a day, if you're still researching it after a year and a day, you're meant to be in that path. You're meant to be doing that because your body's still excited when you go to research it. I've been studying quantum therapy for uh, 19 and a half years. And every day I open a book, I'm like, oh, more info. I'm still as passionate as the day I started. And that's how I know it resonates with me. And that's what I mean by resonate. It gets you up. It gets you thinking before you go to bed. I need to work this out in my head. I need to understand this. I need to get this into my consciousness. I need to, I need to apply this in my everyday life. That's when you know you're learning something good. Now, plenty of fluffy sources. Loads of them. So I'll give you one straight off the top. Sacred-texts.com It is the highest collection of non I'm going to say bastardized information. There is literally tens of millions of books on it that you can download or you can read online chapter by chapter, including all the omitted books from the Bible, the different versions of the Vedas, all these really good spiritual books. And because it's on a place 
of open what's called open source, it's open to everybody. If you can think about it within a spiritual line, you'll find it in there and you'll find books on it. And you go through your references, you read it. Does it resonate? No? Okay, let's try the next book. Resonate. I think since that website launched, which was the early 90s, I think I could count the number of times in one hand from the early 90s that I haven't been on at least 20 times a week. Because it's such a good cross-reference. So sacred-texts.com dash texts it's a fantastic reference tool but that's exactly that it's a reference tool so don't you know make that known um you have loads of really good people depending on your ideology um i would always push dolores cannon phenomenal lady get her on youtube you get her on uh, ted talks and everything uh, phenomenal lady um uh billy carson if you want more of the ancient stuff uh, Billy Carson, Forbidden Knowledge, absolutely phenomenal too. Um, talks a lot about the ancient Egyptians, the ancient Sumerians, and where, how their practice actually is, not the bastardization. Um, that's three off the top of my head that I w would go to a lot because I know they're authentic in their work. And again, like I've, I've studied so many different things. Like I, I've, been, I've, I've been faced with a lot of fluff. But that's where my research goes. Well, this doesn't match with this and this matches with this, but all 20 of them are saying this, so there must be meaning behind this. Let's research that. So take it like a project, because you've plenty of time, right? It's not like, well, some of us aren't going to die tomorrow. Like, you know what I mean? We don't know. But at the same time, use your time wisely. Use it to expand your consciousness. But don't be afraid to question everything. No matter what you see here or listen, even this conversation here, don't be afraid to take your time and question it. Because if something resonated, that means the frequency was right. That's something you should investigate. And you'll only be able to get rid of the fluff after you've researched a little. Come along, Simone. Question about terminologies and concepts. Mm -hmm. So we spoke about love. Mm -hmm. And is it an emotion? And then what's the difference between the spirit and the soul? Well, right. Great questions. So, right, straight into there, we have to get into multiple different variations and multiple different ideologies, right? <coughs> love. We can look at it as an emotional. We can look at it as a resonant frequency. We can look at it as a physical location. Or we can look at it as an enzymatic secretion ratio. So, love is a term. It's a label. Let's make that clear. Everything that we say, we're labelizing. Energy cannot be quantified through words because there isn't the words to quantify love. If you want to scientifically analyze love, it's 6,313 enzymes that's released in your body at the exact same time. Hence why you get the flutters in your stomach and the palpitation of the heart. Because your body just overworked instantaneously. That's why we get the butterflies in the stomach. This person gives me butterflies. <laughs> yeah, this person just shed a lot of enzymes into your stomach. <laughs> you know? And we could be as blunt as that. The other way you have to look at it is soul and spirit, which are two other variations. Souls don't recognize love. They recognize frequency and energy. So when we're looking at the thing, you have to take it, if you're looking at it on a quantum level, you have to take the human existence out of it. If you're looking at it on a, on a deeper spiritual level, love is a frequency. It's called right frequency. 
527 to 528.53 hertz. That's where we all try to obtain. We want to sit in that neutral, healing and loving energy. That is what we're obtaining on a spiritual level. On a human level, love's a curse. I'm going to say that. That's why people sit with... with the, the greatest analogy is being in love with the idea of being in love. And that's why people sit in trauma in order because, well, if they change the perfect person, they're never going to change because they're never meant to. They're meant to teach you a lesson. The only love that is absolutely unconditional is self-love. And that's where we get what's called soul love. And you said spiritual and energetic and physical. So soul love is unconditional only when it applies to yourself. And that's one of the biggest fluffy terms. That's If I read that, because going back to your question, Athena, if I read that in a piece of re uh, reference, I totally ignore the rest of the book. I just throw it out. Why? Because any person who understands emotion knows that there's always condition to that emotion. I will love every person in this room until you physically, emotionally, or mentally harm me. Therefore, I've placed a condition. You're going to love your pet dog until it takes your arm off. You're not going to love it after that. And I don't care. As a parent, there's times we don't love our kids because they're in annoying little shits. So there's always conditions to love. And the conditions is where you're sitting at in the resonant frequency compared to the frequency that's coming back. And that's where the spiritual connection of love comes in. If I'm putting out 500 hertz from my heart center, I expect that to come back. Now, do you see what the problem word was there? Expectation. We're expecting the same back. We expect the same ratio back, and we're never going to get it. And that's where I think, to a degree, love comes when we least expect it, because that's when we're sitting at our purest. So all them people out there that's listening, and whoever's in here, who said, I'm waiting for my life companion, I'm waiting for my partner. Because you're too busy focusing on the love and you're not focusing on yourself to get to the vibration of attracting that person who is absolutely vital for you. Because we are what we think. We are what we put out. I don't believe in the karma. What you come out comes back pound three. No, you're a magnet. If your magnet's sitting at power 10, you're going to attract a power 10. If your magnet's sitting at a power 5,000, you're going to attract a 5,000. Sometimes you might attract a little minnow that'll slightly alter your course karmic soulmate and then you come back on the course again but they're life lessons but love and emotions if we take it on a very literal term it's totally illogical but that's why we're here we're here on this planet in the human form to experience this illogical shit to understand that a collection of enzymes can make us feel something and it can also make us feel inferior as well as superior because there's some people, well, I love you more than you love me. It's not a fucking competition. I'll not, nobody will love my dog as much as I love it. Bullshit. You don't know that. So be humble in your emotions as well. It's okay to understand what you're feeling, but it's also understand that not everybody's up to your level of understanding of that emotion or understanding of that resonant frequency. So just be wary of that. Some people love wholeheartedly, and they're the people that get fast your energy your emotion your mindset your words your physical presence is a gift 
every part of it. You are a package. Don't give that gift to everybody. Let them earn it. In Westernized society, we're taught to give freely. Love openly. Right? No, let them earn it. When you've been through a lot of trauma in your life, you tend to have boundaries. A lot of people call them walls or barriers. But they're boundaries. You now know, I'm not accepting this behavior. So unless you're getting a person that's coming to you authentic, and you feel that in the pit of your soul, walk away. If you question that person for a millisecond, you know that they're not sitting in the resonant frequency, walk away. Or say, I'm not ready for this right now. Come back to me. You know, you don't have to be an asshole about it. Don't be like me. <laughs> don't be an asshole about it. But just set your boundary. Because in that, the first, the most important person in your life is you. I keep using this statement, and I'll use it a thousand times. Friends come and go. Family comes and goes. Partners comes and goes. You're stuck with you. Love you. Do you. For you. Always. You're the captain of this ship. You're the most important person in your entire universe. There's a lot of people don't think that. Because they base themselves on other people's validation, verification, or emotional validation, verification of who they are. Don't do that. Be you for you. And you'll find that your life changes very, very quick. And don't worry about the little muck-ups. You're meant to. You're meant to mess up. That's the universe going, hey, I threw this person in your life 10 years ago. You had a lesson here. And then all of a sudden you'll get somebody who subconsciously just triggers that same emotion. That's the universe going, hey, they're ready for the next stage. They're ready for the real trauma. They're ready for the real understanding. Well, let's test them. Let's throw somebody who's some sort, either mentally, emotionally, or even physically, has a trigger to somebody in the past. And then all of a sudden that person taps up and the universe goes, ah, you failed. You're straight into another trauma path. And they'll keep you in it until you wake the fuck up. And that's how emotion works. Except for, I'm going to make a very bold <laughs> statement here. Except for religion, love is the second largest contributor to war on the planet. Not hate. Love. Look at Troy. An ancient civilization. Two full nations went to war. Over the love of a woman. Then we go up into northern Mongolia. Huge amount of devastation war. Love of an ox. Because it was a sacred ox. 25 million people died. Over an ox. Because one person loved it more than the other. Hence why I said your love's a gift. Don't give it to everybody. Your time is a gift. Don't give it to everybody. Your trust is a gift. Don't give it to everybody. Let them earn it. I used to be the complete opposite. I used to give myself freely. I'm like, yeah. Here, have my trust, have my love, have everything. Hopefully. Years of trauma has taught me, no, you fucking earn it now. You earn it. There's a gentleman sitting over to the left knows that better than anybody. And I'll tell you why he knows it out of me. But because right back at the start, I refused to talk to him outside work. Because you were a client in my eyes. Now he's a friend. He's a freaking brother. He's like my big brother. He's great. I love him. But he had to earn that over a decade. A decade. 
literally a decade of it. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, this is what you have to understand. That you, when it comes to emotion and when it comes to energy and when it comes to love and it comes to any sort of emotion, good or bad, people, people can't make you feel that emotion. They can set the environment, but you have to pick the reaction. So pick the one that best suits you. Because at the end of the day, you have to deal with the consequences of it. That's my advice. At the end of the day, you do. You. You're Jamaican. You're, you'll, be, you're, you'll be fine. <laughs> you just go Jamaican on their ass. And I'm like, yeah, you go, girl. <laughs> I, lo- I love it when she goes Jamaican. It's amazing. Johnny, you had a question. Come on. Up to the mic. Let's go. Spir- spiritual guides and stuff like that. Or okay. Spiritual um, animals or? Totem animals and spirit yeah. guides. Yeah. Right. How does it work? What is it? Uh, okay. Right. So we have two. We've different ideologies here that we have to sort of break down again. And this is the problem when we're having a very simple question like spirit guides and totem guides, because if you have the blueprint ideology, which means that you pre-planned your entire life before you get here with your council, them council are your spirit guides. So these are the people that you have in place, um, who are going to teach you the lessons. Uh, on a higher consciousness level and generally they in, uh, incarnate with you so they'll come on and here, here's a really random thought i'm going to say this well it's not really random it's it's kind of factual the people who cause you the most trauma in your physical form are the people who actually love you the most in the spirit form and they're the ones that you picked because you trusted them to do the job whether they wanted to do it or not which is really hard to accept. That person that beat the crap out of you, that person that made you feel so inferior, that person who made you feel like you were nothing on the other side was the person you trusted the most to do that job. Now, that's a mind blower for a lot of people. The other variation of that is if we're looking on different variations of consciousness rising, every time we hit a certain marker, of consciousness we get a new guide who's going to guide us through that passage so the f- the more that you uh, um, advance as a consciousness and as an, an emotional energetic spiritual being there's the more different guides who you have set in place to bring you on to the next stage so we, we think of them like chaperones that take you to a certain level and then the next one takes over and the next one takes over right animals are slightly different um, because we are off the earth, well, most of us are anyway, we generally have an aff- uh, affiliation with specific animals based on our genealogy and based what um, we feel secure with. So uh, a lot of people, you know, automatically, well, I've got a wolf and I've got a panther and I've got a bear. I know a lot of people that have crickets. I know a lot of people who have grasshoppers. I know a lot of people who have ants. It's not the animal itself, it's the association in your mind with that animal that makes that animal so profound. So if you look at, um, <laughs> look at a cricket, don't look like they do much. They're responsible for getting rid of half the aphids and half the plant ruin stuff and all that, but they're noisy little shits at night. So that means that you're generally going to be a night owl and your spirit animal will reflect that. And then when you progress and you change, a different spirit animal comes in. And then you have what's called your totem animal, which is completely different. That is a guide in animal form that's always going to be there to remind you. Hey, keep moving forward. So that's where you get the more profound things like a bear. 
fish, eagles, eagles, uh, wolves, snapping turtles. Basically, look at the native ideologies of their totem clan elements, and you'll generally find that you resonate with one of them because they're they're profound in their own ideologies. You think of a wolf as being a classic one of that, classic within the the native uh, indigenous communities. It's also there's probably nobody on the earth who's never heard of some sort of wolf. But the wolf is a soul, but also a pack. They excel in a pack, but they can last by themselves. That is the human form in a generation and by definition. We are meant to work in packs, but we segregate. But conspiracy theory here, that's what the government tries to do. Segregate us because as a con- group, as a combined consciousness, we're very dangerous people. But if we can segregate that one person and go, hey, Jonathan. I'm going to segregate you by putting you in a pigeonhole in that moment. They've separated you. Um, That's where the wolf comes in. They can excel by themselves, but they work a hell of a lot better in a pack. We also have with uh, different sorts of guides. What are guides? Like the amount of people saying that my spirit guides, my dead uncle. No. (laughs) No. (laughs) No. I'm just saying that straight up. Guardian spirits are different to spirit guides. Guardian spirits are generally people who have experienced your energy in the living form, who you know, or somebody who has passed on. They take on that mantle. So those would be your guardian spirits. Some people call them guardian angels. Some people call them uh, defense angels. There's different terminologies for it, but they're generally people who you've had prolonged exposure to in your physical state, then come to watch over you. Now, how do we know they're there? Classic example, changes in temperature. So everything you can experience with a ghost, changes in temperature, changes in forebodings, different layers of uh, even seeing your breath, that classified, that ghostly experience is generally one of your loved ones knocking on your door saying, will you wise the fuck up? Every time you see a shadow, nine times out of ten, that shadow is one of your loved ones who are checking in to make sure you're there because you're drawn to it. You're automatically drawn. Now, if you sit with fear, fear is ignorance. You just don't know what it is. A lot of people see shadow and they're like, oh, this is a slender man. It's 20 foot tall. It's going to rip me apart. No, but it's generally a loved one who's checking in on you. After or slightly before seeing that shadow or slightly after it, there will be some sort of marker. Remember, we were talking about memory markers. So you'll get a scent. Or you get a, a feed, or you'll get an urge for a really old meal that you forgot about. You know? You know that one your granny we used to make in the corner? You're like, oh, I used to go to that and I wanted that. All of a sudden, you'll get that urge out of nowhere. That means your granny's standing there watching you because she's going, I have something that connects me to you that you adore and you know that only I could provide. In that moment, they're watching, they're standing there in the same room watching you. So be careful. With what you're saying, <laughs> past present. That's why I say you never speak ill of the dead because there's half of them standing there watching you going, ah, I'll slap you. <laughs> right? <laughs> Poltergeists, classic example of that. Poltergeists are crazy lost souls who had didn't have the time to complete their task in their living state and then ran out of time with their loved ones in their death state so the loved ones went through it they they didn't get to resolve that issue 
of why they stayed here. So then they just turn into very aggressive rage turned entities. I'm going to use the term. But that's what poltergeists are. Lost souls that got stuck in limbo too long with a mission that wasn't uh, completed. So they didn't get completed in their living state and they didn't get completed in their family's living state. That's why you usually find that polar geists and ghosts are really old. Uh, can they be exercised? or Everything can be exercised. I need to exercise myself. No, everything can be exercised. <laughs> and if not, you can just go to Simone. She's a personal trainer. Um, <laughs> um, everything can be exercised. One of the big things that I've noticed um, with me doing this for as long as I have been is people don't realize how much control they have on their own energy and the space around them. So... Remember when something slips in, that's, and we're going to use the ideology, say if a spirit coming in, we're not going to use the terms multidimensional, cloaked spirits and all that sort of stuff. We're just going to keep it very simple. Um, a lot of the people um, don't realize that in that moment they have a, a chance to say leave because they need permission to be in your space because they're eating your energy. And in that moment, you know, people say, I need an exorcism, I need to do a clearing, I need to do a smudge. Yeah, sometimes it's resident energy. What does smudging actually do? It doesn't get rid of negative spirits. It neutralizes the iron count in the space, so then it becomes balanced. But what a spirit does is it only leaves if the pitch or resonant frequency is so high that it doesn't feel so safe and you're literally vibrating it out of there, or you say, no, you're not welcome here, come back when I'm ready. Right. I see everybody's face going, what? Yeah, it's that simple. It's that simple with your own energy. It's that simple with somebody else's energy. It's that simple with a space. And it's that simple when you're dealing with any sort of en entity that has the ability to be there in a ghost-like form or shadow form. You are in control with your thoughts. Now, what have I told you? Just on that thought. It's a little dropper. I watch people go, oh shit, mic drop. Well, here's another mic drop. What if I told you that you're responsible for everything that negative that ever happened to you? So every person in here has got some sort of trauma, right? Some sort of trauma. Which opens an interesting part of Pandora's box on helping guidance mm -hmm. from attachments. But to find an attachment... But nobody has the ability to do that. Nobody has the ability to do that. That's my point. It's when we don't, when we unintentionally give them the permission by saying, when I feel weak or I feel that something's on me. In that moment, you've unintentionally, you know that thing, you know the analogy with a vampire, right? We're going to use vampires, random, total, fuck, this is going down a rabbit hole. A vampire can't enter your space without permission. But if you come in, or if a vampire comes to the door and you unintentionally let it in, it's still allowed in. So you could turn around and say, yeah, uh, just wait wait here. And you point inside the room, that's giving them unintentionally access in. You do that with hitchhikers. You do that with negative entities attaching to you. It's unintentional, but you've given them permission to be there. And just as you've given it, you can revoke it just as quickly. Which opens up history between your eyes. Yeah. For example, you remember Tim. Oh, yeah. No, nope. especially not when this is going out to so many people. <laughs> so, of that experience, and then 
see a lot of people put faith in a lot of people come here and they will and I hope and understand and get free will that they're getting guidance or want to reach out and connect mm-hmm. to the spirit that's connecting or helping mm-hmm. and guiding them. Is it truly for the higher greater purpose? No, nine times out of ten it's not. That's why I'm always like you. Mm-hmm. I'd say, you know, they trick you, they will give you two out of three answers for you to believe in the faith that they're presenting to you is accurate. So the third thing they're going to take you off. Well, see, that's if you even see the very successful, I'm going to use the term, and it's a westernized term, spiritual mediums. Spiritual mediums have an emotional library. So unless that entity or person or spirit triggers one of their emotional libraries, they automatically know that it's not real. And that's what we have to understand. We have all this information linked into us, and it's just about trusting that initial intuitive response. Initial. Not the one that you've thought about after the fact. The initial. If you're questioning, and this is a rule of thumb, to increase your soul resonance, I'm going to say. If you're questioning it, it means your intuition is telling you no. Even for a microsecond. So, I'll give you an example, a slight analogy. I'm going to use Johnny, because Johnny hasn't been picked on tonight. Johnny, you come to me and you're like, I need a new woman. What does this woman look like? And he asked me to read them. The fact that you're getting me to read that already proved the point that your intuition knew it wasn't a good resonance for you. Spirits do the same thing. They only attach to certain aspects, no matter what. Athena's laughing because I've done the same with her earlier. <laughs> Literally done this. So what we have to understand is there's simple, unintentional manifestations and there's advanced ones when we're coming to entity and control over it you have complete control we are walking gods it says it in every major scripture we are made in god's image we are part of god god is part of us god is a label want to point that out that's why I'm, when i'm using the term god i'm not saying judeo christian i'm not saying hindu i'm not saying anything that that god is a label everybody thinks that that's his name but it's not it's a label i want to make that clear so I don't get people messaging me like I did in the last one. Well, why do you always talk to J.R. Christian? I'm not. God is a label, so I just want to rectify that. So unless, if you, when you understand that you are a part of an energetic consciousness that is infinitely more than you can ever fathom, once you get to that I am stage, I am here, I am there, I am complete, I am incomplete, that, that pure place of, uh, I think you used the term yin-yang balance earlier, Todd. That complete place of yin-yang balance. Until you're there, right there, until you can fathom that, you will never know how powerful you are. And that's where people, we, we have that Western nice shit, though. let's step into my power. Let's connect with my genealogy. Let's connect with my lineage. Let's connect to the source of all. And Fuck everything else, because everything else is just something that's going to make it a stepping stone rather than a definitive connection. <gasps> she rises. Couldn't see you there. You're a wee bit camouflaged under your background there. My question is going to take this somewhere completely different. Love it. Is it true that we have alien DNA within our DNA? <gasps> oh, there's a mic drop. Shall we go here? All right, here we go. 
I actually said I wasn't going to go down a conspiracy hole today, but we're not, because there's scientific data to back it up. Okay, yes. <laughs> How quick was that? On a serious note. Yes, there is uh, evidence that in a revolutionary track at the time of the early Sumerians, who were known as the ancient astronauts, sentient and real, they came down to alter a DNA so we would mine gold for them. It's classified as a slave planet and we are slave souls. Um, that's called the ancient astronaut ideology. Um, but there is enough evidence to show that there's certain things that have been turned off and other things that have been turned on and are junk dna which is not actually junk um i'm not going to talk it's been told to talk about this all the time um there is certain aspects of it to prove that it is non-terran not of this earth so there's plenty of evidence to support that plenty of evidence now here's the other side of that we have as much similarity to a banana as we do to any of these entities are you aware of that on a cellular level, we are actually really, really close to a banana. And then on the other side, we're really, really, really close to reptiles. Well, how the hell does that match up? I don't see many reptiles eating bananas. That's where the DNA alteration occurred. It occurred about 250,000 years ago. Now, I'm taking this down this path because you asked, right? So I'm going to give multiple perspectives. The ideology that um, the DNA was altered as a mining slave race, there is certain amounts of evidence to, to back that up, and that's archaeological evidence and DNA evidence. The other aspect that we have to take into consideration is why we evolved the way we did in such a short period of time. So the hominoids, uh, the hominoids if you want to call it, the hominids had two variations, right? The Neanderthal, which was our great, 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 great ancestors, but they were actually the ones that they altered. So they altered the Neanderthal DNA to become what we call today Homo sapien. And that Homo sapien, that erect Homo sapien, Homo erectus as it's called, is literally the one that has had their DNA altered. Now the other version, the unaltered version, is walking the earth. No, it's not gorillas. No, it's not apes. Sasquatches. Bigfoot. Yeti. Is the other variation of where we should be if our DNA was not altered. There's a mind drop. There is a mind fuck for you right there. So, there has been documentation about Sasquatches, uh, Bigfoot, Yeti, whatever you want to do, that goes back... 255,000 years ago. So it's not a modern thing where some guy seen a big hurry guy and goes, fuck that, it's a Sasquatch. No, this is a really, really, really old interdimensional being. It is non-Terran. It is an alien. It comes from the Boots constellation. And they were here at the same time as us. They technically are us because we are a version of them. Mm-hmm. There's must be peaceful. Yeah, no, there the reason why they they don't like they don't like um the scrutiny. They're very worried about their energetic transitions. 
So if you're coming to them, you're coming with fear, that's a low resonance, they won't do that. And they are interdimensional. They can slip in and out, and that's why suddenly they're there, suddenly they're not. They're interdimensional beings. Ask that one, Athena. Okay, so then Come there closer. is proof of the giants. Yes, the Napoli's. Mm-hmm. Do they still exist? Yes. Yes. There's another yes. So there's archaeological evidence to say that we have bone structures. It's actually the Smithsonian have taken a lot of it that are sometimes 30 feet high. Now, if we go into Judeo-Christian ideology in this, um, we, we are going to apply it to multiple other ideologies, but let's stick within the Judeo-Christian, where the fallen angels with the, with the war in heaven, the um, angels of God mated with the women of man and produced what we call the Nephilim which means giant ones. There's plenty of documentation. That, um, they were meant to be eradicated with the great flood of Noah because that's why the flood was there, to reset, to teach man a lesson. Remember that angels were the first men. We are the second version. We're, we're 2.0. The angels were 1.0. The Nephilim was 2.1. So it was a bastardization that wasn't allowed. So God just said, let's do that now if we look on the other variation i am um, if we go into hindu islamic and that sort of variation they do have records of the 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 larger giants being present and being governing uh, man at that time so um you look at the ancient greeks you look at the ancient uh, arcadians the ancient sumerians even on the tablets you'll see these are big big entities with little small men you'll see the same on the Egyptian hieroglyphs or hieroglyphs on all the major temples you'll see depictions of really large people with on, uh, elongated heads which is a sign of an with these little people which leads us to a contradictory question if these are fallen angels and angels did not mean angels back then it meant craft what are they aliens ancient astronauts ancient aliens and there's thousands of well right now we're in a beautiful time when we're actually seeing half the truth coming out in disclosure programs with dr stephen greer we have the forbidden planet with uh, billy carson we also have the uh, the two new press releases to the the new york or the the U.S. Commission. We have the Senate debates going on about UFOs right now. So the, the the reason why I say it's half accurate because half of what they're saying is absolute codswallop because it's actually owned, run, and operated by the, the the governments. Governments do have alien craft. They have back engineered them. They've been doing it since 1930, um, and they do have alternative propulsion systems. And that's where a lot of these people, like Dr. Stephen Greer with the uh, Disclosure Project, is trying to get the information out there because the in, the, the tech technology that they're using could end world hunger overnight it could end world poverty it could end the ruling of the elites overnight you could literally have a quantum field in your home powering your entire home for the price of giving it a thought and they know that this exists right now so you know a lot of the triangular Alien craft you're seeing online probably right now. You'll see a lot of reports. They're actually U.S. made. It's called the Delta C5 class. Pill-shaped ones were the first German version of it. Through Antarctica. 
Aryans. Yep. So there's plenty out there. No, that's just a weird one. No, mind you. <laughs> that's just you protecting too much shit. No, uh, probably. But a lot, a lot of the, the modern ones now are actually uh, reverse engineered, and a lot of them are actually owned by the governments. Now, there is a, a lot of data with ones that nobody knows who they are. That's why they changed it from uh, UFO, unidentified flying object, to UAP on the dental area phenomenon because there is certain things like wormholes appearing there is a certain phenomenon in the sky pillars of lights that they can't explain but it's funny that there's always a ship that turns up afterward just saying you know what i mean and there's plenty of evidence out there i'm not being a conspiracy theorist but go and do your research and remember take it with a pinch of salt too because for every six that you see five of them is probably fake but there is ones out there that there's just no explanation for it just makes no sense none but we also know that when when you're in the know you want to say that with the ssb the speak our secret space programs and the the black budget operations that there's a lot going on that we are not aware of and as i say without sounding like a deranged conspiracy theory do your own search research it Look into it. Trust me, you'll find stuff that will open your eyes. I thought my, my, my dad was always into crop circles and stuff, like massively. I thought he was a crackhead. I'm like, Dad, what the hell? What, what are you doing? He says, just do your research. And I did. And my, my jaw hit the ground. Because there's so much evidence out there. And this is not evidence that I'm saying that some... <laughs> I'm going to really stereotype people here. Some pimply-faced teenager in a, his mom's basement who loves video games is putting out there. These are trained doctors, professionals, military brass, high-end, that are coming out and swearing under oath that their testimony is correct. At the risk of being killed. At the risk of their damage or their, their families being injured. And they're still doing it. Still doing it, and the evidence is there's more to support. And when you think about it on a logical level, right, just on a logical level, there is, what, a billion different suns in our solar system. With that, there's tens of billions of different planets. Now you're telling me, the all-powerful God, the creator of all, only put us on this planet as living beings? Come on. Anyone with sort of a shred of logic will go, well, that doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. And I'm not saying that is. I'm saying doing your research. I'm not swaying you in any way. But there's a lot more for than against evidence. Just saying. And these are all top-end people. Interesting question, Athena. But we're basically the result of DNA bastardization. And we're lucky. No, the, some people just aren't ready for it. When they filter everything that we see and know, that as Stevie has greatly pointed out, they don't understand everything, so they can accidentally show you something when something is freshly released before it gets removed off the internet, that if you take your mind into, mm -hmm. as we say, into the rabbit hole, the uh, understanding more about energy life coming from what they would call in ancient times the great central sun that 101 physics 
black hole draws everything in and bends light and pulls it out. <coughs> so how is blue light coming out from a black hole and dispersing out through the Milky Way? And, and they shut that down. Yeah, the more information that they don't want you to know, because it's a lot of fear-mongering too. Like, if these big corporations that are worth, what, $16 trillion globally every year? Huh? BlackRock's minor. They're pebbles. Okay, so everything that... Right, how do I word this without sounding... Ah, fuck, it's me. Everything that you think is in control is not. Governments are run by big pharma and big corporations. That's how they get their labyrinth money. That's how they get in. Governments don't run. They're told what to push, what processes to push, what ideologies to push, what vetoes to push, what bills to push. They're told that based on what these big companies need. But these big companies are run by some, uh, a group of elites. Them elites are run by another group of elites. And they're actually run by somebody that doesn't even belong in the fucking planet. So when you go up to scale... There's always somebody who's more in control. We look at those big corporations like the the um, Brindenburg Group, Rothschilds, Johnsons, Nixons, all them. You can go fifteen levels higher, and they're all being controlled. In that old Pandora's box about CERN. We're not getting into that tonight because that's a five-hour conversation that I want to have on one massive podcast. I've, I'm, I'm actually going to work with a guy online who's a specialist and actually worked at CERN. So, I'm, yeah, I'm waiting for... We're just literally trying to pander in using his schedule and mine. That's going to be a fascinating, fascinating little podcast. So are there multiple entities? Because you kept on saying entities and interdimensional. Mm-hmm. Um, also, like movies... You, you hear about fairies and this and that. Yeah. Diminishes that whole idea for people. So again. Well, that's the whole thing. Uh, one of the, the early variances of Hollywood was to put things so easily in our face that we didn't realize that they were going to be normal. So when you think of the term fae and fairies, right? well, they're interdimensional. They're fourth dimensional. It's called Sealy and Unsealy Courts. They're, they have a hierarchy. They're documented. Some societies, I come from the land of Fae. Ireland is known as the Fae capital of the world for a reason. We have certain, I'm going to say rules. I don't like using that word, but we have certain rules, certain safeguards at, at night when you're out in Ireland. Because Fae will come and they will take you. It's been documented for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. When we talk about entities, right? Fae is just being one. Um, if we take the alien theory, and uh, no, I'm not going to use the term alien. I'm going to use its official term, non-Terran. If you take the non-Terran aspect, there's documentation that proves there's 1.3 million different races on the planet. Mm-hmm. How many different races are in this room? <laughs> <laughs> one. Okay, just making sure. I, uh, as far... As far as uh, as far as I know, well, that's actually a really good question because there could be multiple. <laughs> no, so uh, like as far as I know, we're all we're all human in here. Uh, well, I'd like to freaking think so. 
Um, but you, there could be seven or eight in here. We don't know. Because they're interdimensional, right? Because no, well, we can look in spirit form. We can look in energy form. But uh, as I say, when when it comes to this, yeah, and it is a very jokey thing because you see it all over Hollywood. Independence Day being a classic, fake invasion, all these sort of things. So uh, the whole point of Hollywood is to get the message out there in a subtle way so we don't panic when it actually happens. So we, we've we always had this um, understanding that if people thought that or knew that there was an actual thing as non-Terrans or extraterrestrials, that the whole part world would panic. There was a fucking five-hour release of a disclosure, multiple newspaper clippings, multiple mainstream media covered it, and nobody batted an eyelid. Nobody batted an eyelid because they're so used to seeing Hollywood. Hollywood is how they subliminally train your mind to get used to what's there. Magic exists. We call it manifestation. Interdimensional beings, fae, elves, all exist. We know that. Countries, indigenous tribes, have mentioned of them for thousands of years. Then you look at the non-turn effect. There's cave paintings that go back hundreds of thousands of years depicting men in spaceships. Men in space suits. They're hundreds of thousands of years old. Now, back in them days, they seen an ox, they drew an ox. They seen a bison, they drew a bison. They seen a deer, they drew a deer. They seen a guy hunting a deer with a bow and arrow, they drew that. So why the fuck would they dry or draw an alien ship and a man in a spaceship if they didn't see it. So it's it's kind of illogical to think anything except for what it is. I think the problem is that, just to answer a question in generality, I think it's hard for people to fathom outside the existence of their own reality that they've built in their heads. We, we are tending to love a space of comfort and security, and anything that challenges that, we tend to repel against, which is entirely normal. I want to point that out. It's a human reaction. You know, it's fight, flight, freeze, fawn syndrome. So we, we get moments where we're going to, you know, fight back and go, no, this isn't right. There's moments that we're going to sit here and we're just going to go, yeah, I'm going to freeze in this and study it. Then you have the flight. No, this scares the shit out of me. I'm out of here. Then there's the other one, fawn. Fawn means you detach yourself from reality in that moment. You don't come back. And fawn syndrome is more common than what people think. It's probably the one that most of you haven't really heard of. But it's the most common emotional react. That's that person that sits in their basement and doesn't talk to anybody for years and end. Because they haven't can't fathom and compute what they've just seen, heard, felt or witnessed. It's the deepest form of trauma, fawn syndrome. So you have to understand that all these things happen because there's evidence to back it up. But I'm not saying, you know, this is definitive. Research. Do your Google searches, do your internet searches, go read a book, look at ancient text, but don't look for somebody's interpretation of it. Look for the actual tests. I don't know what that sound is. No, it's really high pitched noise. It's all right, we'll pick it up. There we go. So now I've got a sound sample of it so I can get rid of it. Anyway. So, but do your own research. Don't look for, is there, was, did their ancient civilizations or our ancestors see aliens? That's not what you say. What you type in is cave paintings, 
and look at them for yourselves. Look at them and see, is that what they say it is? And work off that. Any other questions? Because we're getting very close. One more. Okay, we'll have one more. Make it a good one. Kind of sparked it. I didn't spark crap. I'm just answering what I'm being told. Don't blame me. It was me. Anyway. Are our methods of energy healing in this existence unique in the universe? Nope. And I'll tell you why. In comparison to universal energy, 5D consciousness and 6D consciousness, we are literally tinkering with energy therapy. We are tinkering with energy modalities. Um, because a lot of them are very, what's called third dimensional, um, patternized. This is a body. This is a symbol. This is a practice. It's very, I'm going to say, high schoolish. Right? If you look at quantum therapy, which is the entanglement about both of them, quantum therapy gets it really, really deep. But that's only because we know what quantum is. You have to remember that some of these are 5th, 6th, 7th, 8th, ninth, 10th dimensional beings. Beings and dimensions that we can't even fathom. And these guys can have a micro thought about totally transforming you and making you 20 foot tall and absolutely perfect for a, a million years. And they can do that. Because they have creative power. Because of that dimension, you are at the power of the creator of all. So when we are doing it, we're facilitating the environment for that soul to reach its full potential. If that full potential is instantaneous healing, the soul will pick it up and it will do it. We, as humans, need to logically appease the logic. Well, if I put my hand here, what's it doing? If I put my hand here, what's it doing? Well, what's this symbol actually doing? So if I turn around and say, there's, there's multiple practitioners in here, right? This is a great analogy. Rabbit hole number 642. Shukare. Very common symbol. Place power here. Direct around. What does it actually do? What does it actually do? You're telling me what it is. You're not telling me what it actually does. Hmm. Creates a vortex. It literally creates a vortex. Where does that vortex go to? No. God. Spirit. Divine. You're opening up a vortexual to suck, as you would, a great analogy, the wormhole, great delight. you're sucking it into that energy. So you're literally creating the vibrational and this, the movement is kinetic energy. And that kinetic energy opens up that, I'm going to say a wormhole for the want of a better term, and forces the energy right there. So that goes straight from spirit. The hand movements, the symbols are channeled, but it's the movements that create a specific wave in the emotions. Just done that came out there out of the top of my head there. I was like, holy crap, it's been a long time since I used that one. But in that moment, in that movement, your movement is creating air patterns. That's changing the frequency. So when we are looking at it, we believe that we have to do something physical in order to happen. Instead of looking at it on a quantum level, think occur. Quantum therapists and quantum touch 
we don't touch. We don't need to because you think it, you do it. Your energy and your thoughts go to overpower that one because you've absolute faith in their power. But do you think of the amount of people who are energy therapists and they don't have faith in what they're doing? They question it. They've lost the plot before they've even stood near a client. But every person on this planet is capable of quantum level therapy. If they just aligned their vibration with their thoughts. I want you to be the best possible version of you to help you understand and learn and move through your traumas as a lesson rather than as an emotional backlog. In that moment, you're setting the tone for that in that room. And if that person is ready and if that person wants to be healed, in that moment, they open up these vortexes, the 12 chakra system. Jesus, like we came back full circle. This is great. Um, they have 12 chakras and they suck all that energy in and they heal themselves from the inside out. And that's when we get the balance. A again, when it comes to, when we talk about universal amount of power, if you can't fathom what a universe it is, how can you fathom the amount of power that comes with it? Right? So a thought is 10 to the power of 36 billion. So, how much is a billion? Think about that. It's hard to put, picture that in your head. Because our human head, our logical brain, needs a start point, definitive start point, and end point. Right? Think about that. So, if I turn around and I say, just to give you an analogy in that, 70 tons. You can't fathom that. But if I say it's the equivalent of 35 SUVs. Yeah, yeah, it, 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 it's, it's infinite. And when we say the term infinite, it's just a term for something we can't capture. And that's what a lot of people don't understand. Energy is infinite. Energy therapy is infinite. The possibilities are infinite. You're only limited by the expansion of your own consciousness and your own thoughts. So if you don't think you can do it, you've already lost the plot. And when we look about how ancients and the universal entities and i'm going to use that term very loosely <laughs> very loosely how they do it they don't have any misconceptions about what they're doing they don't have logical thought they don't have emotional thought they go fix and it's fixed we think it has to be st staged i have to put this environment stage this environment to do this and that's what we have to understand that when we're talking about universal, it's it's very hard to even fathom it. I personally have never met uh, a healing alien. I've never seen one face to face. I never said never shut. You know, say let's sit down and talk. How you do shit. I would love to sit down face to face and go. How do we make society, humanity, better for themselves? I would love to have that conversation. I'm just not privy to it. Some people on the planet have been. Fair play to tell them. It's outside my scope at this moment. The other aspect that we have to take into it is we, in, even in that statement, you are the universe. You are all, each one of you are the universe incarnate. You have all the power and all the knowledge of the universe inside you. You just have to let it out. Let it out. Have absolute faith in the process. You may not need to have faith in a, in a name, in an ideology. You may not need to have faith in a higher power per se. But you're here. 
have faith in your own ability to be the vessel of healing change. Because once you do that to yourself, then it becomes easier when you're helping other people. And remember, everything you know, you can go deeper. Seven chakras becomes 21. 21 becomes 75,316. 75,316 comes 1.6 million. 1.6 million comes 36 to the power of 10 million. It goes deeper and deeper and deeper. And the more you know, the less you know. And be humble enough to recognize that. I am. I learn more of the people who have no healing experience. No therapy experience. Why? Because they give me a different perspective on the very basics. Get the basics right. Thought equals action and reaction. Change your reaction. Be pure with your thoughts. Always be humble and always pass it forward. Your life will be great. Because you're giving the energy back. The knowledge comes back through being grateful and passing it forward. It's what we are missing in society. Everything's meant supposed to cost us something. I can't do this because it'll cost me time here. I can't go and do this because it'll cost me time here. Time's a fucking illusion, people. Wake the hell up. Just be grateful, be humble, and pass it forward. Watch how your life changes. Wake up. Be grateful. How many people said thank you for waking up today? Not one of you. Fucking shame. Every time I open my eyes, I go, oh, thank you. And then I say, I can make a difference. Every day you wake up, you have the potential to change your life. Completely from the day before. Be grateful for that. Millions didn't wake up. Did you wake up in a bed? Yep. Billions didn't. Did you have a roof over your head? Millions didn't. Did you go and wash your face? Millions don't have water to do that. We're so massive about the massive amounts of what we have that we realize that what we have is another person's absolute living dream. What? You can go to the faucet and get water out of it? I have to walk 20 kilometers to get a cup full. Be humble. Be grateful and pass it the hell forward. That's how you want. You want to change society. You want to change life. You want to change consciousness. You want to change your fellow person. You want to walk down the street and feel safe. Be the change. Be nice. Be kind. Be humble. Be everything that you want to see around you. And that's how you grow as an individual. And that's how we change society. If you want a safe environment, provide a safe environment. If you want equality, provide equality. If you want love, give love. Be grateful, be humble. But as an analogy, kiss. Keep it stupidly simple. Because not everybody is your level of understanding. Not everybody has the perspective that you have. Not everybody has the same goals as you have. Not everybody has the same traumas as you have. So keep it stupidly simple. Make it A equals B. Very quickly. And always be transparent. Don't say, oh, I'll think about it when really it's a no. Say fucking no. People prefer you to be authentic rather than to catch you out in something later on. Hence why my give a shit counter is very low. And I'm still affected. 
say, 100% human. I'm doing this a long time and I still get affected. I still get moments where I question who I am, what I'm doing. I question my authenticity. I'm human like every other person. The difference is I just allow it to be there for five minutes. After that, it's a lesson for me to move forward. Move forward. Do you for you. You're the most important person in your planet. You're the most important person in your life. Everything else is a choice. Nobody can tell you what to do. Nobody can make you feel anything. You have to pick them reactions. So do you for you and keep it bloody simple. Thank you very much for your time tonight, folks. I really, really appreciate it. And I appreciated all of your questions. <laughs> very diverse. And I look forward to hopefully having another one of these very shortly. Thank you very much. Thank you.